conclusion inevitable. It was a jump to conclusions, Matt. My conclusion was that this idea was not a practical deterrent. My only conclusion can be that it was a Sith Lord. In conclusion. Hello there, folks. Welcome back to the only movie podcast hosted by two extreme sports-loving William H. Macy lookalikes. It's In Conclusion. I am your host, Dan O'Keefe, and joining me, as always, looking very offended by my introduction, is Anna Otto. I, I just was laughing because I don't think I've ever watched an extreme sport in my life. Like I, oh, I Wait, that's your Tony... issue? It's not the No, it's William not the William H. Macy. Macy, Macy. It's okay. definitely extreme sports. <laughs> uh, and the movie that we are talking about today is the third and final movie in the classic Jurassic Park trilogy. So creatively titled Jurassic Park Uno Dos Tres, Jurassic Park 3, directed by Joe Johnston, written by three people. And boy, does it show Peter Buchanan, Jim Taylor, and Alexander Payne released on July 16th, 2001. It made nine, no, it cost $93 million. It made $368 million and it stars Sam Neill returning from the first movie, William H. Macy, Tia Leone, Alessandro Nivola, Trevor Morgan, and Michael Jeter. Yes. (laughs) I'm great at reading. Yes, you are. So, before we get into it, quick overall thoughts on it. I liked it. I liked it a lot. A lot better than the second one. You know, um, I love Spielberg, but I think it was... the. Oh, I feel so... I feel like I'm offending somebody by saying this. Um, Mr. Spielberg, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I feel like it was the right move (laughs) to have somebody (laughs) else direct it. Because it went back to the original... I felt like it connected more to the first movie than the second movie did at all. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, This is the first movie to, A, not be directed by Spielberg. He was an executive producer on it. Yeah. um, Which doesn't really mean anything. Um, Does it mean he just paid a lot of money and his name was put on it? It's kind of like being a, like, yeah, I'll put my name on it. Give me money and, like, you can call me once and I'll answer one question for you. Mm Mm-hmm. First movie also not based on a book by Michael Crichton and... Most important to you, first movie not scored by John Williams. You know, the music was still good, though. They revisited the themes, which I was living for, you know. That's Mm -hmm. all that matters to me, TBH. I mean, I love John Williams, but as long as the original score was not marred, I'm not going to throw hands (laughs) over it. There's one point in the movie that where they play the original Jurassic Park theme, and it kind of comes out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. It's right after a big action scene, and I was like, well... I'm fine with this. I feel like that was the only music they used was the actual theme, though, because there are several points where it was just like, oh, this is a sad scene. We're going to play the theme slowly, quietly, you know, very solemnly in the background. I was like, yeah, wait, I'm vibing. This is, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So it's just, it's actually just a remix album. Yes. <gasps> oh my God. The EDM remix. I would dance to that at the club. <laughs> I would hardcore go to that at the club. Okay, so getting into the plot, we start off and there are these two dudes and they are parasailing around the second island um, 
that InGen used in the Lost World Jurassic Park. Um, and they are extreme sports junkies, apparently. It it seems like it's a father and son. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I just say, I feel mm-hmm. like all these movies, while different, this is going to make no sense, but while different, they all start the exact same. They do, yeah. Um, oh. It's always like a cold open yeah. of people doing something stupid mm-hmm. and then dying. Yes. Sorry for making noises. I accidentally knocked over my dinosaur shaped salt and pepper shakers while I was listening to you <laughs> say that. Um, and the, they go parasailing. The guy, the older guy is actually, um, the, have you seen election? No. Okay. Well, he is the teacher that has a improper relationship um, with the student Ooh, in election. How very the police don't stand so close to me of him. Very much so. And we'll talk more about election later, specifically because of one of the writers of the movie. Um, but they go parasailing. They go into mysterious fog that appears out of nowhere. Wait, pause. Can we talk about okay. how the name of this business is called Dinosaur? Because I laughed yes. for a solid period of time. <laughs> I was like, clever, clever girl. That is an incredible name, a very creative name. Yes, I loved it. Okay. Um, so the ship that goes into a fog and they can't see it. So then they come out of the fog and when they do, everybody on the ship is dead. We don't know how we're supposed to assume dinosaurs. I did. I was like, Oh y'all, they got eaten by a pterodactyl. That was my number one assumption. I thought it was an extremely quick black plague. Oh yeah. There could have been rats on the boat. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was it mm-hmm. <laughs> on the speedboat. Uh, so then the two of them end up having to cut the cord and land on the island. And one thing that I noticed very quickly was, oh boy, that is some strong green screen while the two of them were up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, they were doing their best to wriggle around and make it seem like they were flying, but oh no. Oh, oh no, no, no. They were in an air-conditioned room. Yeah. No, it was it was something. That's for mm-hmm. sure. And that actually... Oh, no, my bad. I was jumping ahead. Never mind. Okay. Uh, so as they go on, Alan Grant returns. He's doing research on a velociraptor mm-hmm. or on dinosaur bones like he always does. He's an archaeologist. That's his game. It'd be like And that. now we see him at Ellie. Um, why can't I ever remember her? Laura Dern, not <laughs> Helen Hunt. Nope. We see him at her house and we they are not a couple but laura dern is now married to somebody else has a kid it's very cute the Mm -hmm. kid is cute uh the kid comes back later um this scene had me whole crying i really shipped them from the beginning i was like yo wait i'm kind of sad that they didn't end up together but i was really happy that they were still friends also this is when the slow piano cover of the theme started playing and i was like Mm -hmm. oh they really got me they really got me (laughs) That's real quick. Mm-hmm. I was already like crying. It was too much emotionally. And then, so he goes back to his camp where they're digging, and we see that he has a new partner. His partner's name is Billy. Um, and I couldn't get over the fact that the guy who plays Billy looks incredibly like my cousin. Oh. So I kept thinking, why is Joseph in this movie? Why? He, he has, why is Joseph on this island? He has a secret career. You clearly didn't know anything about. Yeah, I'm going to send you a picture of Joseph right now. You tell your thing. I'm going to send you a picture and see if you agree. No, I was just going to say, Billy was, like, really trying to turn that whole dig into, like, a sexy dig. 
I was getting the vibes. Like, I thought that was going to come up more in the movie that he was, like, kind of a womanizer. <laughs> At the beginning, yeah. he's like, is this rock? Or am I just glad to see you, wink? And it was, like, kind of a whole saucy adventure. I was like, ooh, Billy. William. But William. More emphasis on yum. So the whole time I was like, Joseph, don't do that. You're a man of faith. Joseph, Stop this it. dig isn't going to be sexy. <laughs> uh, and what Joseph, I'm just going to keep calling him Oh, Joseph. okay. I I'm was sorry. like, wait a second. What? Yes. So what he does is he shows off this newfangled technology of 3D printing, mm-hmm. which I actually thought that was pretty cool. I did And he too. printed out a Velociraptor voice box. Um, and then we never see that voice box again. Never. Never. Um, and then guess who comes to visit the two of them at their dig? It is none other than our intrepid college admissions scandal husband hero, William H. Macy and his wife, Tia Leone. Stars. Uh, they are, they are posing as extremely wealthy, um, investors, mm-hmm. you could say. They are also extreme sports junkies Mm -hmm. because nothing says extreme sports more than William H. Macy and Madam Secretary. Honestly, when I look at them, I'm like, yeah, X Games. They, that's (laughs) all, just X Games. They on X Games mode. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, God. So they take the pair out to dinner and they eventually convince them that they're going to do a flyover of site B because it's their making their anniversary the best one yet, which I'm like, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You do you. You're extremely wealthy. I don't, you're not hurting anyone doing mm-hmm. this. Um, you're not hurting one doing any, you're not hurting anyone doing this being not true. So mm-hmm. in, also included on their flight, they have my cousin, Joseph. Yes. Dr. Alan Grant. Yes. The two of them. And then they hire, like, four mercenaries to come along. <laughs> Which I thought was wild. First of all, can we talk about on the plane when Alan Grant falls asleep and he sees oh, the T-Rex oh and starts God. talking? I screamed. I was like, is this a horror film? Because other ones are, like, <laughs> adventure films, and that low-key got me. When it said his name, I was like, they evolved too far. Yeah, so Alan falls asleep on the plane. He tips his hat down, falls asleep. He wakes up, and he looks around, and there's no one else on the plane. And then he turns to his right. And he sees a Velociraptor sitting in the seat next to him. And I scream. I, I assume the Velociraptor is reading like Sky Mall or something. We don't actually see his little hands. Uh, but the Velociraptor turns and makes eye contact with him and goes, Alan. Alan. I hated it. I'm not going to lie. I just, <laughs> I hated it. I don't know what about it. Like, it just really, it got me. There were a lot more jump scares in this movie, I felt like. There were. And while I was not like, horrified because you know it's a dinosaur not you know a demonic spirit or something mm-hmm. but it definitely got me there i felt like i was looking for them and like yes planning for them yes um this is much more of a horror movie than the first two mm-hmm. i would say it's much still more... rated pg-13 though isn't it it so it's more of a horror movie but it's also less bloody violent than the other two yeah it's also shorter i noticed by like a oh whole my god half it is hour. a tight 90 yeah which is like we stand a tight 90 mm-hmm. yeah any move any minute of a movie that goes over 90 minutes is too much cut it out Amen. i don't want subplots no? this movie does not have subplots mm-hmm. there is one plot and it is 
very on level. I don't know if there's any depth to it at all. Um, but when you're looking for something to watch on a Saturday afternoon, like it's raining outside, you have nothing to do. This is a great one to turn on if you just want something to zone out. Oh, yeah. You could definitely tell this one's not based on a book because of the fact that there are no <laughs> subplots. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the group, they fly over the island. Um, they Alan gets concerned that they're flying too low and then eventually landing. And they do land. The mercenaries get off the plane to go and hunt for something. It's not revealed yet what they're hunting for. Um, But then they hear dinosaur roars and they see a dinosaur come out. So everyone except for one of them gets back on the plane. And they go and they fly up to escape. The one who doesn't get on the plane gets eaten by a dinosaur. Um, But then the plane crashes back down to the ground in a very... Oh, sorry, did I miss something? No, I was just going to say, uh, I would like to point out that the one who gets eaten, um, William H. Macy loaned him his phone. Yes, that's true. That's important. Mm-hmm. He has a satellite phone. Yes, it's very hip. It's bright yellow, which I was like, ew, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this movie came out in 2001. It's a 90s movie. It is. Um, it is. So the plane crashes in a very unrealistic crash. Everybody is pretty much fine from it. I felt like I was watching the first episode of Lost. <laughs> it felt like that, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so they get out of the plane. They're being chased by a dinosaur when they get out. Eventually, they escape the dinosaur. Um, but not all of them do. Eventually, the group is whittled down to five. Mm-hmm. It is w- the lead mercenary, William H. Macy, Tia Leone, my cousin Joseph, and Dr. Alan Grant. And then it is revealed that the reason that they came to this island is not because they're extreme sports adrenaline junkies who have climbed K2 and did something else that I can't remember. I don't know. Um, They instead, the kid at the beginning is their son. They are a divorced couple and they are coming to the island to search for their son who has been lost on the island for a grand total of... Eight weeks. I had to pause the movie at that point because I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I miss things when I watch movies. They just fly over my head. The first time I watched it, and this was the first time I'd seen this movie. And I had to pause the movie and ask Gage. I was like, wait, just one gosh dang second. Because I was so confused. I was like, wait, Ben is not their kid? Because, you know, Tileone gets off the plane and she's yelling, Ben, Ben. And I thought, I was like, that's the kid. And then I pulled up like a list of the actors I was like wait a second and I was so confused for a minute I had to pause and like ask Gage questions because he'd seen it before and I had to like write down a chart of how everyone fits together (laughs) and then I finally got it I was able to pull things back together but at first that twist I was very confused yes um so yes they're on the island to search for their son and they are chased by a Spinosaurus. Yeah. Which is our new big bad T-Rex, kind mm-hmm. of. They actually, the T-Rex and the Spinosaurus have a fight. I can't remember, is this early or later in the movie? Um, It's like early-ish, I think, because the T-Rex, the Spinosaurus comes out, he eats um, the mercenary who had the phone. Mm-hmm. And then they try to fly away, they land the plane, and that's when the T-Rex comes with the... Yes. Yes. 
I believe that's. The and they have a fight, and the Spinosaurus curb stomps him. It's a minute long fight. It's nothing. There is no offense. Um, if this was a a wrestling match, it'd be a squash match. It was yeah. The the Spinosaurus is Brock Lesnar, and the T Rex was Bill. Mm-hmm. Just a guy named Bill. Yes. Um. So that establishes the Spinosaurus as our new big, big, big bad of the movie. But the real villain are the Velociraptors. And I want your opinion on the Velociraptors in this movie. Um, They had a really chic new hairstyle. They did. Which they then lose for Jurassic World, which I was like, uh, mm. but anyway, I thought that it was really interesting. The dinosaurs in this movie, specifically the Velociraptors, are so much more intelligent like they're mm-hmm. almost i would say personally that i think they're getting close to the level of humans like they have their own language they form yes. like this pack i mean they already said that velociraptors are pack animals but they're able to communicate and call for help their different cries mean different things mm-hmm. i mean obviously all animals have that but like we are able to pick up on it more in this movie which i think is really interesting um, yeah they have they almost have like conversations yeah, between each other exactly like, they're almost just speaking a different language instead of being an entire different species in this movie. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I will say, the language that they speak and the cries that they make sound like a car stalling. Oh, absolutely. And I have no doubt in my mind that the Foley artist was like, let me just pull my whole car in here for a second. <laughs> let me just hit this brake while I'm trying to start my car and blah, 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 blah. Like, you know. I'm going to press the gas, but my wheels are not screwed on. Oh, yeah. Let's see what this makes. Well, I've just knocked my muffler off. Let's see what happens. <laughs> the carp back shots or whatever it's called. So, yeah, the Velociraptors, they have become... They can't... They not only can open doors now. They... I think if we had given them five years in this movie, they could build a society. Oh, absolutely. They were geniuses. I yeah. was just really impressed. With, I mean, obviously, they're not real, like I said, but... They, they're so much more intelligent. Like, it seems weird almost to me that none of the other dinosaurs have progressed as much as they have. Mm-hmm. But it also makes sense because they're the main dinosaur. Like, yeah, we have the T-Rex, yeah, we have the Spinosaur, and that's, like, the big wow. But the focus of Jurassic Park, to me, is always the Velociraptors. Like, when you think of that movie, you think of Velociraptors. Yes. After you think of Jeff Goldblum. Yes, of course. So, as we go on, the group gets separated they come across a velociraptor nest mm-hmm. um in an abandoned ingen compound and they raptors chase him out and they summon the rest of the pack to get them and they groups get separated in a stampede so it leaves alan grant william h macy and tia leone are not together tia leone and william h macy are with my cousin joseph and alan grant is with the lead mercenary um and the raptors end up attacking the mercenary um, to lure them out of a tree. They actually set a trap for them where they see the mercenary's body lying on the ground. His arm moves. And they're like, oh, he's alive. He's perfectly fine. Y'all People dumb. lie face down and do that. Dumb. <laughs> but then Alan Grant, the only smart one in the bunch, is like, wait, no, something's wrong. And then <laughs> the raptors have set up a bear trap. Mm-hmm. for them which i think genius but also maybe a little too far i think that might be a step too far 
I mean, I yeah, that's making them almost a little too human to me. Like, yeah, we have bears and sharks and alligators in the real world that are very terrifying predators, but I would be really surprised if I was walking through the forest and fell for a trap that was set for me by a grizzly bear. You know what I mean? Like, there were so many really interesting shots of the raptors. Like, as soon as Tina Leone leaves the scene and then um, you see a raptor running in the background out of focus. Like, that... That's some creepy stuff. That's some horror movie stuff right there. And then there was that scene when they're looking at the dinosaur babies in the tubs of formaldehyde, which is already really creepy and gross. And then they're staring at the raptor head and then you can tell it. Like, I knew. I was like, that that shit's going to move. And then it, like, blinked or something and it came to life. And I was like, oh, that was some good stuff. It, was, it wasn't actually in the tube. It was behind yeah, the tube. They got me. Those yeah. those are some smart those dinos. Raptors, they have stage presence. They know when to take their mark. They do. Yeah. They really vibe with me, honestly. I was like, give them their Oscar. Yes. So what happens is, oh, they escape the InGen lab and they run and they're in this place that has a bunch of like fences and metal staircases and bridges and stuff. And that my cousin Joseph has stolen two raptor eggs. Joseph like really got me idiot. fucked up in that scene. Right. Yeah, I was like, oh. I literally, my note says, Billy, you dumb shit. That's all. <laughs> yeah, how dumb could he is an archaeologist? I mean, I think that when these archaeologists see like the dinosaurs and dinosaur eggs, they probably just get so nerded out and excited that they just are mm-hmm. like, I need to keep a piece of this for myself. And then they take it and it's like, that's really not smart. But I guess if you're going to get excited about something and make sense that it's going to be that. I don't know. That's yes. just the way it, Oh, he's stupid. I, I was yelling at my screen when that happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Something that I forgot that we totally skipped over is that when Grant gets separated from the rest of the group, he is in a Raptor ambush, but he gets saved by a mysterious figure who mm-hmm. turns out to be Billy, the kid He's still alive. He's survived eight weeks in like an overturned food truck. Yes, and he's so smart. I was like, yeah. I would have died long before him. A, right? because I'm too picky and wouldn't have eaten all those canned foods. But also B, because I'm dumb and wouldn't have found a bunker. <laughs> yes. There are many reasons why both of us would have died long mm-hmm. before this child would have. Mm-hmm. Um, so he survives. He knows who Alan Grant is immediately. World famous archaeologist. Quick, can you name an archaeologist? Alan Grant. <laughs> <laughs> the only whoever the, discovered Sue. I don't know. Yeah. I think I'm, it was a woman named Sue? Question mark. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> I think Sue the dinosaur was an archaeologist. Um, yes, she was. So the group end up getting reunited because Billy, not Billy. Wait, is the kid's Eric? Name the Billy? kid's name is Eric. Eric. The kid's name is Eric. Um, he hears the sound of the satellite phone ringing, um, which I at that point I was like, wait, they don't have the satellite phone. How how are they getting drawn together? Um, but anyways, the group gets reunited and then they go into the place with all the metal and stuff, and they're trying to go so they can get to the ocean to signal for help from someone. Mm -hmm. But as they do, they discover that they are not just in a really random place. It is a bird cage. Mm -hmm. It is a pterodactyl cage. 
And this is where our big, it's not our climax, but it's our near climax moment happens. It was, it was spooky. It was, it was a very, the atmosphere was really cool. It was all very foggy. It was like the game Silent Hill. Yes. Yeah. It's really foggy because they, when they made the game, the PS2 couldn't render out distance very far. So they just had fog, which makes it so much more creepy Mm -hmm. because you don't know what's coming towards you. That's what this was like too. So, Fun fact, my parents live on top of a hill, and uh-huh. down at the bottom of the hill, it gets really foggy, and there's people who live there that do these really like terrifying and cool Halloween decorations. Like They have open fire in their decorations, just going outside their house. I'm like, y'all should be watching that. But when I was little, I was scared to drive. Not little, I was old enough to drive, so like 16. I was scared to drive past their house at night because they'd have those Halloween decorations out and it would get really foggy there. And I always thought I was going to get attacked (laughs) by, I don't know what I lived in a pretty rural area. There'd be like chickens or something, but (laughs) you know? Yeah. As you do. Um, So big fight. They have to escape the pterodactyls. My cousin Joseph ends up sacrificing himself for the sake of the group. Um, Alan Grant says that he is, Beforehand, he says he's no better than the people, than InGen who built the place. And then my cousin Joseph has to prove him wrong. Again, I was really shook during that scene because I was like, is he just selfishly jumping away? And then I realized he was trying to save Eric. And I was like, oh, my God, I had to delete my note where I called him a villain. I was like, ooh, I was wrong. Yeah, he was was giving off real villain vibes yeah i was like oh my god like this is the twist i was not expecting oh my yeah. god but he's not the villain so i guess there was a double twist yes did m night Shyamalan direct this twist. movie wow <laughs> so the group sans my cousin joseph who sacrificed himself in the river um escape so it's the family and dr alan grant and they end up finding a boat with plenty of gas um that starts running and they start puttering down the river to get back, not get back, to get to the ocean. And as they do, they come across piles of dung where they hear the sound of the cell phone ringing. Which, fun fact, I don't know if you knew this or not, uh, they used 250 gallons of oatmeal to create that hot, that hot Spinosaurus poop. Yes, and, oh boy, I I think this is the worst movement of the movie, worst moment of the movie. Yeah. It's where you hear a Spinosaurus coming. It mm-hmm. comes out. It peeks its head out. It looks at the dung, does like a disgusted face, looking directly at the camera, and then walks away. Honestly, it was a very relatable moment. <laughs> but also, yeah, I feel like, the second and third Jurassic Park movies neat all like searched for a place to add in a little bit of humor somewhere mm-hmm. which doesn't make any sense to me because the first Jurassic Park movie had humor but didn't do it in a way that was like unnatural you know what I mean yes. whereas mm-hmm. I feel like that scene I guess it's to show like oh they're not gonna like oh a dinosaur but we're not gonna get attacked because they're territorial like I don't know it just felt a little forced to me yeah. Like they could I have agree. done without the second. All they were showing was that they needed to get their phone back from the Spinosaur. They really didn't need to 
show any other dinosaurs. It's not like they make a point of having two Spinosaurus come after them at the same time or something. Yes. So. Um, so they get the phone out of the dung. They clean it off. It has enough juice for one call left. Mm-hmm. Um, so they keep puttering down the river, and eventually it starts pouring rain, and they get attacked by a Spinosaurus. And they end up locking themselves in a cage to protect themselves, which I think, not the move. That shit's not aquatic. It attacked yeah. them underwater. They're dumb. I mean, I don't know what move they should have done, but, like, if that cage is not attached to the boat, I, I yeah, you're right. Not the move. Not the move at all. Yes. And Dr. Grant places a call to Ellie, which is picked up by Ellie's kid, who only recognizes him because he calls himself the Dinosaur Man, which is adorable. Yeah, and that then kid's the kid cute. <laughs> goes out to give the phone to his mom, but the mom is saying goodbye to her new husband. Um, so the kid goes and he gets distracted by Barney the Dinosaur, which is adorable. And then he eventually hands the phone off to his mom, where Alan Grant just somehow, right as he's before he's drowning... He says, the river site B, and she knows exactly what he's talking about, which makes sense. Um, I honestly would have, like, 100% thought that it was over for them when the kids started watching Barney. I was like, it's over. Kids love Barney. (laughs) (laughs) Also, a very on-the-nose reference, Barney the Dinosaur, Jurassic Park. True, but, like, I mean, true. Kids love dinosaurs. They love Barney. Yeah. Just... How very ironic. So what ha- what they do is the oil has started leaking out of the boat and they get escape the d- Spinosaur by lighting the oil on fire with a flare gun, which eventually kills the Spinosaur. And I'm like, okay, this is a, a pretty good climax. It's some pretty good action going on here. It's tense. It's dramatic. Mm-hmm. I was cool with it. Um, and then if we were to follow the pace of the rest of the Jurassic Park movies, the credits would start rolling immediately. Yeah, I was kind of expecting it, but, you know, I was like, no, no, they got to get out of here somehow, I guess, so. So the way that they get out of here is they hear the ocean and they Mm -hmm. start rushing towards it, but then they're caught by a group of four velociraptors who want the eggs. They Mm -hmm. think that Tia Leone has the eggs, so... Alan Grant still has him. He takes him out. He gives him to her to give to them, which they are going to. But let's take a moment to talk about how they sniff Tia Leone. Like, they are all over her, sniffing her. I was like, what perfume is she wearing, girl? They love it. It's like Happy yeah. by Clinique. Is that what's going on right now? Because it's got to be something. I don't know. I just, that's raptor. Literally. I was like. Did she roll around in raptor pee at some point? Because they're loving it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the way that they escape these velociraptors is Dr. Grant takes out the velociraptor voice box that we saw from early in the movie, blows into it, and somehow knows what to say. Because somebody, one of them is like, no, call for help, call for help. And then he changed how he blows into it. And the velociraptors start reacting like somebody is calling for help. Can they not see him blowing into a device right in front of him? Like These are the smart dinosaurs. They suddenly got real dumb at the end of the movie. And also, I I don't know. I think this franchise has really become 
the royalty of I'm going to do something really quick at the beginning, but it's going to come up later. So you better watch for foreshadowing wing. Yeah. Like big time. It's this. It's the gymnastics. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's the jello and the water showing that's how you know when a uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex is coming in the first movie. Like stuff like that. So they escape the Velociraptors. The Velociraptors run off. Which, fine, whatever. And then they go onto the beach because they hear the sound of a helicopter and they see one helicopter. Mm -hmm. And then they look and they see the might of the U.S. Navy and the Marines coming to save them. Which, why was everybody wearing camouflage? Who are they hiding from? (laughs) I mean, probably the dinosaurs, but they were in full battalion, like, face paint and everything. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? (laughs) Also, when they pull up on the beach, people get out and start running into the jungle. I know. I was like, you're going to get eaten. Did they give you this suicide <laughs> mission? What's going on? Like, I, I, it was a little over the top. It was. So the group, they get on the helicopter and we see that my cousin Joseph did not die. He survived mm-hmm. and got picked up by the helicopter and he is healing. He's lying in bed. Uh, which, again, that only happened because the actor didn't feel like it was right for Billy to die. And he was like, no, yeah. I don't want to die. So It was incredibly right for Billy to die. That cheapens his sacrifice. Yeah, no. Now he's just bloodied on, on the helicopter, I guess. And the, la- the last thing from after the Spinosaurus fight to the end, this has taken about 10 minutes, um, which I thought was an interesting move. Because as I said earlier, there's no falling action in the first two movies. Mm-hmm. That's like this one is making up for the lack of falling action. Yeah. Because it, a lot of it is the family talking about e- themselves. And I'm like, oh, this is not interesting. This yeah. is boring. This has been the drag of the whole movie mm-hmm. when they talk about their relationship and how he's the patio tile king of Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh-huh. So then they fly off and roll credits. Yep. 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 That's it. That's Jurassic Park 3. I liked it. I liked it. Um, Mm -hmm. Gage says it's his favorite of the three. I disagree. Yeah, I I also disagree. I liked it better than two. Yeah, for sure. I definitely liked it better than two. It's definitely not better than the first Jurassic Park. No. Um, Nothing's better than the first Jurassic Park. Fight me. Because it felt like the Lost World was trying to do the first movie again sort Mm -hmm. of uh while this one was trying to do a different kind of movie in the same world and it definitely accomplished that much better than the lost world did and what it was trying to do yeah i feel like to an extent you could just get you could totally throw out the second movie just change a couple of lines so that people know there's a second island and stuff Uh and have that be the second movie and call it a day yes i agree um one thing that I did notice throughout the whole thing, I don't actually know if this is true or not, but this seemed way more filmed on a soundstage than the first two did. Yeah, there's a lot more CGI in this one. Um, again, I think it's just because there's a lot of fights between the dinosaurs, a lot of close-up stuff with the dinosaurs. Uh-huh. Obviously, they, I mean, Jurassic Park is known for creating these magnificent robotic pieces for their movies, but I think... Like, for example, when the Spinosaur and the T-Rex are fighting, like, there's no way you can do that with big robots. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be doing the CGI. Obviously, the Spinosaur 
um, has a lot of up-close encounters with them, so that's going to be a lot of CGI. There's a whole scene with all the... Um, Oh my gosh, all I can think of is the term veggie sores, because that's what I wrote down. <laughs> herbivores, all the herbivore yes. dinosaurs, like that's a lot of CGI because you don't want to create 50 million little robots. Uh-huh. Like it's just a lot of bigger scenes to create that CGI, I feel like. Um, and mm-hmm. also because there's so much more with the pterodactyl specifically, there's more flying, there's more up in the air, there's more falling, things that just are too dangerous in real life for actors to be doing when you need that tight of a shot on them mm-hmm. so i think yeah i think you're right there is a lot more uh cgi but i think it's well done and i think that it really does hold importance it's not just oh cgi to be cgi yes i agree on that but even more than the cgi it felt like of the first the first two movies were filmed way more on location outdoors on the islands themselves yeah and then with this one I could definitely notice when they switched from being indoors and outdoors, there were a lot more scenes in the heavy brush, a lot more scenes in the jungle Mm -hmm. where you couldn't see the sky. And I was like, oh, they're definitely indoors right now. They're definitely on a soundstage at Universal. Yep. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I, I do agree that the CG looks a lot better in this one than it did in the second one, which makes sense. It's four years later. They have four years of technological improvements to do it. Um, but fun fact about the T-Rex fight with the Spinosaur. Mm-hmm. Um, so the original, this is trivia that I found. The original sequence between them involved a short moment where the two size each other up. Uh, the conflict would have been started by the Spinosaurus and then smacks the T-Rex across the face. Um, a gauntlet throw. Yes. But the fight was cut short because they were... Two, they built two animatronics for it to have the fight, but the T-Rex one was actually just a refurbished one from the first movie while the Spinosaur was a new one. Yeah. So it was newer and way more powerful. So they <laughs> underestimated how powerful the machine was, and during the swipe, it decapitated the T-Rex. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, can't so say I'm surprised by technology, but also, oh my god. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I can just imagine the engineers watching that, like, oh, all the work, all the money, all the people praising how high technology or how uh, technologically advanced this piece was, and it's just all torn to shreds. <laughs> to quote the Whoops. first movie, we were too busy uh, wondering if we could that we didn't stop to think about whether or not we should. Yeah. Um, also, another thing, when we came to the end and I saw the full might of the military coming to rescue everybody, I was yes. like, Oh, this movie came out in 2002. It had to. Yes. This feels incredibly like a extremely recent post 9-11 ending. But no, it came out three months before 9-11. I mm-hmm. was like, huh. That yeah. feels weird. It also felt weird because they kept saying how they called the embassy and nobody would send anybody for them. That they basically gave themselves a death sentence. But uh-huh. as soon as Ellie calls, literally the entire military is there. Every yes. unit, every... I don't know the technical terms, but you know. Every squadron. That's the one, yeah. Italian platoon. Um, that's another deleted scene that I haven't seen. I read. But <laughs> apparently her new husband works for 
Homeland Security, well, Homeland Security wasn't a thing, but works for the Department of Defense or something. That would have made a lot more sense. Honestly, they should yes. have kept it if they were like, oh, even just in the beginning. Hi, I'm Ellie's husband, blank. What do you do for a living, blank? Oh, I work for the government. There, look at how easy I worked to go. get into this script. <laughs> uh, speaking of the script, so as I said before, it was written by Peter Buchanan, or Buckman, sorry. Peter Buckman, Alexander Payne, and Jim Taylor. And Peter Buckman, his Wikipedia page, I'm going to read you the entirety of it right now. Oh. Peter Buckman, born July 13th, 1967, is an American screenwriter, and his writing credits include the screenplays for Jurassic Park 3. That's it. That's it? That's it. He has credits on the movie Aragon also. Based off the book? Did that movie ever actually come out? It did. It was terrible. Oh, I never read the book either. I just know all the kids in my class in eighth grade were really into it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and then the other writers are Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor. And those two are, they collaborate a bunch. And Alexander Payne, I don't know what he did where he wrote, where he had to write this movie. Because um, this guy has been nominated three times for best director at the oscars he's won two oscars for adapted screenplay uh he metacritic ranked him as the second best film director of the 21st century in 2017 he wrote and directed election the the movie with matthew matthew broderick and reese witherspoon where he was Mm -hmm. nominated for best adapted screenplay he wrote about schmidt Mm-hmm. He won an Oscar for Sideways. Mm-hmm. He won an Oscar for The Descendants. Uh, he wrote and directed Nebraska, and he wrote Downsizing. Interesting. And then he, I'm looking at his credits. It's all movies like that. And then he wrote Jurassic Park 3 and an early draft of I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. What? Yeah. Uh, now, okay, hold on one second, because those two movies have nothing in common at all. <laughs> at all. I've no. seen both of them. <laughs> I Alex Payne is a colorful person it to me. Seems like it. They, oh my. Well, you know, that's Yeah. That's fascinating. Right? Hmm. It's so strange because he's written critically acclaimed movies and then there were points of this dialogue. I was like, oh boy, this is tough to get through. <laughs> but it's written by a, an actually very good writer. You know, not a, I mean, maybe he wrote something and then Jim, Jim, the script man, Taylor and <laughs> his other friend whose name is escaping me now. What's the other writer's name? Uh, it was Peter Buckman. Thank you. Peter Buckman and Jim the script man Taylor were probably like, mm, that's not how normal people talk. And then they put something else in and it's just clunky and weird. Uh-huh. I'm not saying it's all their fault, but you know, like if he's writing these acclaimed films, I'm wondering if maybe the clunkier parts were things he didn't touch as much. <laughs> but also there are times when we're all not at our top game, even on things that we're usually really good at. So, you know, mm-hmm. Other trivia, um, this they started shooting before the script was finished. Um, excuse me. Uh, Steve Buscemi, Tommy, Tony Shalhoub, and Stellan Skarsgård were all considered to play Cooper, who was the secondary mercenary associate. 
So I was like, that's a very small role for them. Yeah, like those are three famous actors. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. But also sometimes I feel like Stephen, uh, Steve Buscemi really excels at small bit roles. Mm-hmm. So does... um. Oh my god. Johnny Shalhoub? No, I was... Well, yes, but also I was thinking of somebody who didn't list. Um, John Schneider's friend. He's from Appleton. He was in the Florida... Willem Dafoe? Yes! Willem Dafoe! (laughs) Uh, For those of you who don't know, John Schneider was... Is a professor at Marquette, where both of us went to. And he is friends with Willem Dafoe. They were in experimental theater in Milwaukee together in the 70s and 80s. Yes. And um, I really feel like Willem Dafoe would excel in a bit role like that. <laughs> I I agree. Thank you. Um, one of the first scripts was about a group of teens stranded on the island and being eaten one by one. Oh my the, god! The That's thing that so I'm reading dark. says it was described as friends with dinosaurs. That sounds a lot more like Scream with dinosaurs. Yeah, but like honestly, I'd I'd watch it. You know. Yeah. Scream. It's an with interesting dinosaurs. concept. <laughs> That's funny. Oh my god. Uh, William H. Macy admitted he did the movie so his daughter could see him on screen. And That's so because he was sweet. A f- oh and because he was a 50-year-old man who got to play with dinosaurs. That's honestly all very valid, and I think I would have made the same money moves as he did. <laughs> a lot of the scenes of the movie are taken from the books, like the river chase and the stuff in the aviary mm-hmm. uh, were in the first, and then the cloning lab was in the second book. So... It's like they just pick and choose the stuff that they didn't use from the first two movies for this one, which I'm like, hey, do it. You got some source material to yeah, draw from. You got some leftovers. Go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. So, and then the Marines at the end were portrayed by real Marines. Oh, well, that's nice. Thanking them for yeah. their service, both in the military and on screen. <laughs> and that's all the trivia that I found. Do you have any? I think I told you all my trivia already. Okay. Um, I know for some scenes they only created a Spinosaur model that was like from the waist down, but uh-huh. that's not really a fun fact. It's just a fact. My favorite fact by far was definitely... Oh! Two things, actually. My favorite fact by far was definitely the hot steaming oatmeal. Yes. But also, I don't know if this is a fact or not. Sometimes when I watch... Gage is my boyfriend. I've mentioned him a lot. I feel like I should specify. And we live oh, together. I thought he was a railway. <laughs> Yes, he is. A narrow gauge railway that you sit next to and watch movies with. Yep, he's a little zombie boy. Uh, He's from Maine. Just kidding. (laughs) Watch Pet Cemetery. Um, Anyway, but Gage and I were watching the movie and sometimes he just says facts to me. And I don't know if they're like from the internet or things that he's learned over time. But he told me that the Spinosaur with the phone in his tummy so you could hear when he was coming and stuff was supposed to be reminiscent of the... Uh, crocodile with the clock in its stomach in Peter Pan. Huh. Yeah. Which I can That's see. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Um, other, I just remembered two things. The guy who was parasailing at the beginning with the kid, this is not his first rodeo with Alexander Payne. He played the teacher that had an inappropriate relationship with Reese Witherspoon. I said that before. I just realized That's as okay. I was saying it out loud. Um, and the guy who directed the movie Joe Johnston, he mm-hmm. wa- he worked at ILM as a visual effects artist mm-hmm. um, in the 70s and 80s before he became a director. And the other movies that he's directed, he directed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yes. He made Jumanji. Yes. He made October Sky, which honestly I think is an incredible movie. Um, and 
the first Captain America movie. Mm. When I was in college, I had a professor who canceled class because he went to the midnight premiere of a Captain America movie and didn't want to teach class the next day. Really? Yes. <laughs> I went to the midnight premiere of the first Captain America movie with my brother, and mm-hmm. I was like, huh, I'm seeing a movie at midnight. I'm oh my so God. cool. Yep. I did that with the Harry Potter movies. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, that just reminded me. <laughs> so you said that this was the first time you saw this movie? It is. It's the first time I ever saw this movie. I had no... Well, I knew it was going to be about dinosaurs, but I had no idea what it was about otherwise. <laughs> yeah. I know that I watched it sometime before. There was no book that I had to read beforehand, so my mom couldn't force me on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't remember 90% of it. Yeah. I feel like third movies oftentimes get kind of crapped on for that exact Uh reason like you just kind of at that point you're like ah do i really want to watch the third one i i don't know like i just think of back to the future or even toy story or like other famous trilogies well i for toy story i don't want to watch the third one because i don't want to sob yeah that's true too also i like the second one the best because jesse's in it But, you know, like, I feel like the move you're going to make when you're reaching for a movie, it's never going to be for the third movie. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There's a very, it's very rare that the third one lives up Mm -hmm. if the first two are good or if even just the first one is good. Yeah. Um, How do you think this would be different if it was made today? Well, I think the CGI would be better. Mm -hmm. I also think there would have been heavy reliance on CGI for all the scenes. Like, I think, I don't know if I mentioned that in the first and second podcasts or not, but I just think CGI, like, while it's great, I also think it brings a touch of fakeness to movies where the robots bring that reality because you can actually physically touch stuff and be close to it. Um, Not that they were really touching as many dinosaurs in this movie as they had in the first and second movies, but I think... I think the balance of CGI to dinosaur robots would be off if it was made Mm -hmm. today. Um, I also think that the iPhone that they would inevitably be using if this was made today versus the uh, heavy-duty satellite could be hit by a car and live forever phone, Uh there would be no phone plot line. (laughs) No, absolutely not. This iPhone's... Set any sort of smartphone, it dies when it hits the water. You know it's over, and it's not going to last mm. through a stomach acid. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, I So I'm actually going to disagree with you on that there would be more CGI. Mm. I think, honestly, if they made this movie today, they would go the route of movies like A Quiet Place, oh. where they'd try and keep everything in the shadow as long as possible. They're, they would still wouldn't have any of the animatronics, but I think a lot of it would be more environmental yeah. spookiness, environmental horror, where you don't see a lot of things, and it's these people trying to escape the island. Fair. I also feel like, um, not really as similar to A Quiet Place, but just in the same realm as some of the scarier, like, monster, quote-unquote, movies that we have today, I feel like things today are a lot gorier. Absolutely, yeah. And so I feel like this movie would have been a lot bloodier if it was made today, because it's yes. more of a horror film, like there probably would have been people losing limbs and stuff before they made it off the island. I'm not saying I want that. I'm just saying that I think that's what would happen, you know? Sounds like you want that. 
Uh, I've been reading American Psycho, and I've been reading a lot of really gory stuff, so I think it's just on my brain. I okay. don't want it. <laughs> um, what actor in the movie was trying the hardest, doing hmm. the most? You know, I I think... Hmm, they all were really giving me strong performances in a good way. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think there was anybody in this movie that I was really like, wow, they really didn't bring it. But I think that the best, like the person who I think tried the hardest to succeed in this movie would probably be William H. Macy. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the character of Dr. Alan Grant is something we're kind of used to now. So that can be phoned in a little bit more than a dad who's desperately searching for his kid and also mm-hmm. kind of trying to repair his, his relationship with his ex-wife. Like it's not a main storyline, but I definitely feel like he and T. Leone, I guess I could say both of them were really bringing their A game to the movie um, and trying really hard to create a storyline for these characters that doesn't take away from the main plot of them trying to find their kids, but also is something that, I don't know about you, but I was kind of rooting for by the end. I was like, I hope. Absolutely. Like when Eric said that his parents aren't good together. I mean, it's so common today. I feel like that people who have parents who are um, divorced, a lot of times those parents do. I'm not saying everybody. Obviously, I know people who have had parents that co-parented very well. But um, it's common for kids whose parents are divorced to know that their parents don't get along and for the parents to kind of glaze over that fact even when they're with their kid. And I think it was something to root for, something that was kind of a dream, but also really nice to see that they were able to put their differences aside and come together and really um, help find their son and make him happy and get his life back on track and show him that no matter if they love each other or not, they're always going to be a family. And I thought that was a really nice storyline that they really worked hard to pull together and not take away from the action and horror of the main plot, but really still make it something that we can resonate with and relate to, even if that's not something you've gone through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say that I do think there is one actor who was trying their hardest, trying a little too hard, and it was Tia Leone's teeth. Oh my because god! I don't think that there was a moment that we did not see her teeth. I literally was thinking the same thing. I was like, "Her teeth are pretty big." Like, not to be rude, I just that was one of my thoughts during the movie. I was like, "We yeah. are seeing a lot of mouth." In her this character film. choice was never close your lips. Mm-mm. That's a very uh, interesting character choice. You know, not mm-hmm. one necessarily that I would have made, but I'm not in the movie, so. <laughs> Would this movie be better or worse with Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Everything, every movie is better with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I was thinking about this. I think that if mm-hmm. he had played Billy, we would have never left the dig because though that is a small man, that's a sexy man. You know what I'm yes. saying? He would have been too busy snatching up and respecting all the ladies at the dig. <laughs> I was thinking, I realized that it was 2001. He would have been too old to play Eric the kid. Yeah. But he would have been like, I don't know, 14-year-old JTT. He would have fit that role perfectly. He was he smart. He knew what to do. He had a little bit of a smirk, a little smarm, but mm-hmm. the, the charming kind. He would have fit perfectly in this he movie. Would've. He would have. He would have. Yeah. There's honestly, in my opinion, not a movie that he wouldn't fit perfectly in, as you know, but yes. I absolutely agree with you. <laughs> Just throw uh, a little flannel on him. You know, it doesn't matter how hot <laughs> it is. Yeah. 
Have you seen the movie I'll Be Home for Christmas? Uh, yes, I accidentally broke a VCR player from watching it too many times in a row. Why do you ask? It just popped into my head thinking about JTT movies. Absolutely. But that is very on brand for you. Thank you. Um, what movie does this remind you of the most? Um, hmm. I don't know. Like, certain family coming together vibes kind of gives me some, like, Home Alone vibes. But also, I'm trying to think of movies where people like a family comes together and like overcomes their differences for the better. I don't know, maybe some parent trap situation because they're like making the parents come together. Mm-hmm. Um, dinosaurs, it's hard to really. I mean, it's a dinosaur horror movie, which makes it again like Jaws for me because. Yeah. Yeah. I was. How about I you? was getting a vibe of the Dinosaur Island part in King Kong. Oh, mm-hmm. I I had kind of gotten that vibe in all three of the movies, but specifically in this one because of the more horror aspects of it. Yeah, and um, a quiet place. Yeah, it's it's very similar to a quiet place, especially when they're with the. I mean, there's the whole emphasis on not talking and not yelling. Literally, when they get yes. off the plane, uh, they're telling Tilione to stop yelling. Because and then they yell at the Marines to stop yelling. Everybody's always yelling. Always yeah. yelling. And, yeah, you're right. It's like a quiet place, especially, like I said, when they're in the fog with um, the pterodactyls and all of a sudden it appears from the fog. Ooh, that's some quiet place type stuff right there. That's <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. Now, uh, what's your final grade? My final grade? Mm-hmm. Out of five? Yeah. Four. Out of five pterodactyl snatching raptor baby eggs. Ooh, Four. Four. Oh, wow. That's way higher than I expected. I really liked it a lot. How about you? What is your grade? I would give it uh, probably two and a half. Two and a five. half? Shook. Shook, 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 shook. That's lower well, than I considering gave. considering I gave the second one one and a half. Oh, fair. I feel like I'm a much more generous grader than you, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I I think you are too. Yeah. I think that. That's why I could never be a teacher. I try to balance it out where I think that two and a half is average. And I think that this is a very fine average movie. I don't think it's anywhere near great. I don't think it's anywhere near bad. I think it's strongly in the middle. Fair. I mean, just like for me, if the first one is a perfect five, which for me it is because I'm bad at grading stuff, I would say this one was good. Not the greatest, not perfect, but it had a lot of really good qualities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now that we're done we're concluded with the Jurassic Park trilogy. What would you give the trilogy itself as a whole? Um, trilogies, like we said, they're kind of hard because it's like a group project. You know, mm-hmm. number one really brought their A game. Number two really was like on the last day, you guys need me to add anything, even though they didn't do mm-hmm. anything for the whole project. And number three was very average. Um, I would say I'd give it a three and a half, pretty average. Middle of yeah, the road. I'd, I'd agree. I think that the first Jurassic Park is so strong that it makes up for a lot of the errors in the other two movies. Absolutely. And when you think of the trilogy, 80% of what you think of is the first movie. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of, going back to what I always talk about with the score, I mean, it's such iconic music. People who've never even seen the movies, I feel like a lot of times can be like, oh, that's the theme from Jurassic Park. Like, it's just such a well-known piece it's become integral in a lot of people's lives 
Um, uh-huh. It influenced, I mean, obviously it moved on into Jurassic World, but uh, music is such an integral part of people's lives that I think it can evoke feelings, whether it's connected to dinosaurs or not. And that's something that's special in terms of what makes those movies special. I hope that mm-hmm. made sense. I was trying to figure out a way to word it. I'm not sure if it made sense. <laughs> I made sense. Thank I you. I think it did. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so that is the end of Jurassic Park, The Lost World Jurassic Park, and Jurassic Park 3, Electric Boogaloo 2. Yes. <laughs> which means that we have come to the conclusion of that trilogy, so we can put that up on the board. We are done with our first trilogy here on In Conclusion. Yay! But don't worry. We're not done yet because coming next week, we are going to go back to the future (gasps) and talk about the first Back to the Future movie. And we are going to have a special guest with us. Who? My girlfriend, Anna Horst, will be joining us for the next three episodes to talk about Jurassic, not Jurassic Park, to talk about Back to the Future. I'm just really on this train, man. That's okay. Um, It's hard to get off, but we're at the next stop, Dan. (laughs) So, yes, come back next week to hear us jib jab gib and gab all about back to the future part one uh if you want to follow the show itself on twitter we have a twitter account it's at and in conclusion on twitter we recently updated our profile picture and header photo and i'd like to thank anna horst for the profile picture she designed it for us we need an applause sound effect in there just like yeah i'll edit one in thank you dan it's going to be like a children's cheering sound. Exactly what I was imagining. Good. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at DanO'Keefe86. Anna, where can they find you? Oh, your favorite part, Dan. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at AnonymousPrime818. Or you can find me on Twitter. Hang on, let me pull it up because I always have to double check when I'm saying it. It's at AutobotsRollOut. Capital O in auto, capital B in bots, capital R in roll, and then the O's in roll and out are zeros. I love the simplicity of it. Thank you. I wasn't planning to talk about it when I made it. (laughs) So thank you, Anna. Thank you to everybody who listened. We will be back next week. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy, and have a good week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Ow, I hit my elbow. You're gonna hear that in the everything in my life is a mess. <laughs> Thank you.